This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Classic View from the Boundary with the Test Match Specialty. Hello, I'm Jonathan Agnew and welcome to another classic View from the Boundary as part of our 40 from 40 series. Now, in early September 2018, England were taking on India at the Oval in the final test of a memorable summer, a match, of course, immortalised by Sir Alistair Cook's farewell century. The second morning of the game had seen a flurry of runs as Joss Butler and Stuart Broad had helped England recover from a precarious 181 for 7 to a much healthier 304 for 8. And enjoying the action was someone with arguably one of the most important jobs in the country, leading the biggest police force in Britain. Dame Cressida Dick is the first woman to hold the post of Metropolitan Police Commissioner, having taken charge in 2017 and overseeing a force of over 40,000 staff. But well before her policing days, she was a wicketkeeper at Oxford University. Can I start by saying I was quite definitely the worst wicketkeeper ever. <laughs> it well, was in the know? days before how, women's how cricket you know? really took off. No, I was just so bad. Why? How? I, 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 I can't even tell you some of the embarrassing things well, I did, I think but I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It's a big statement well, I to say remember, you were the worst. I remember in the game between Oxford and Cambridge um, calling out, uh, how's that, before I'd actually just dropped the ball. <laughs> That's in bad. a vital moment. That's quite bad. Yeah. So you, you, um, you appealed for a catch that you I hadn't did. taken. Exactly. Well, I said, it, it. I said, how's that? And then I dropped the ball. I was so excited. We still won the match, so that was important. Yeah. But that's, that's, uh, no, I was, I was really not good. That's not, um, that's not but good. But I love cricket. I've, I've always enjoyed cricket. Did you improve? I, I wouldn't say I did. I think the high point, probably, I had to play uh, when I... I played... You know, I've got a brother who's four years older than me. We played, you know, one hand, one bounce and whatever else they're called, tip and run, all those yes. things in the garden. And then I went to a boys' school, essentially. So I played cricket from the age of about seven to about 12 all the time. And I should think the high point was probably 12. I was, I was best when I was 12. But I had reasonable hand-eye coordination. I love all sorts of sports. So when I got to college, they said, you know, will you have right. a go? Why did you, why did you end up keeping wicket if it was so bad? How, how did you keep I, the gloves? I, apart from that one occasion, I can catch, and uh, and I enjoyed it. And, right. uh, and I, I could bat a bit, and I and uh, I knew the rules, which was yeah. probably more than one or two other people knew in those days. Yeah. What yeah. was women's cricket like then at university? Oh, it was it was, it was entirely uh, fun. There were only a very few people who were at all serious about it. Uh, I played every week and thoroughly enjoyed it, but. Um, when you see how far women's cricket has come now, yes. I'm, I haven't seen the university teams recently, but I bet you they're very, very good. Yes. Uh, and of course, the uh, you know the, the the national teams are incredible. Um, but it was in a, a very early, very early days. There were just a few sort of pioneers around, Rachel and you yes. know, those sorts of people we'd heard of, but very, very little women's cricket yeah. around. It. We, I do go back rather a long way. Uh, Jonathan, well, almost think, as far as you, maybe. Uh, no, a little I bit think further. you and I are very similarly so, aged, actually, right. so we, we'll so get on talk, very well. We're talking now talking late the, 70s, early 80s. Talking about the yeah. same sort of eras. Yeah, yeah, we will. But coming here today, I mean, it must be to escape your, the day job, to sit and watch some cricket. It must be. It's a absolutely lovely. Perfect for um, Yeah, it's. it's real joy. As I say, I love, I love sport and I do love cricket. And I'm maybe twice a year I try to get to a test match in fact this is my third visit to a test match uh, this year, I've got to two days at Lords uh, when Pakistan won and uh, one of the, the Saturday uh, of the Indian match, so I try to get to watch the test every year, probably have every, ta- every year since I was about 11 
Um, but it's just a lovely day out. I come with friends, we have a good chat, enjoy the cricket. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. And, of course, I've actually lived uh, within a couple of miles of the Oval all my life. Right. So I feel very familiar with the Oval. Uh, and it's very close to, uh, to my headquarters. So I'm sure nothing will happen today that may take me away. But if it did, well, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be far. So you, so you are actually on call today, as it were, aren't you? I mean, you might... Well, I suppose in a job like this, you, you're, you know, they need call. to be able to get hold of you at, at 24-7, yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah. But I... I I do think it's important also in a job like this to be able to relax and yes. uh, take time out and do what you like doing, you know, makes you better at doing the job, makes yeah. you better at making, you know, thought through sensible decisions when you're not absolutely exhausted or you've been working all the time and you just lose your perspective. So I, I do try to keep fit and uh, enjoy what I enjoy. Yeah. Why, why, why cricket, I wonder? Why, why do I cricket put you in that sort of more relaxed frame of mind? Is the, the, the pace of it, is it? I think so. I mean, there might be a clue here in the fact that I enjoy test cricket slightly more than I enjoy one internationals and slightly yeah. more again than I enjoy T20 which is probably unusual um, I do like the fact that you, you just sort of sit down and there's a lovely green space and you know you're going to be entertained all day long in, in a fairly kind of peaceful mm. peaceful way yeah. yeah have you yeah. enjoyed this today I mean that's, that's, what, that's what cricket does though doesn't it and today who would really have thought that England would get 304 for all those runs scored and, th- and that's, that's the beauty of this game isn't I know. it it really is and, and before I came in today I went round to talk to my guys who are working here today and and to the security people and I know they keep a kind of um, probably lots of people do this you know how many how many runs are they going oh, to yes. score? Bit of a sweep <laughs> And uh, there were quite a lot in the 240s and 250s. Uh, yeah. So uh, they've done well. Yeah, it's yeah. great. So you, yeah. you've got people working here today? That, that we do, yeah. yeah. The, um, I mean, when I look back to years and years and years ago, I, I, I think I first went to Lords in 1971, but I can't swear. Yeah. I certainly went in 1974 and five. I and first I, went in 71 as well. You? So there you go. We yeah. are the same generation. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, look back I was there at the uh, first Cricket World Cup final and if you see any of the tapes of that tons of police officers bizarre by today's standard security operation in which um, bless them you know all West Indies fans ran on in the last over as you remember and uh, the blue um, line couldn't really stand Lillian up. Lillian Thompson went on running yes. back and forth, and nobody knew what to do. And the blue line was just standing there, its <laughs> arms out, thinking, "Oh my goodness, what are we going to do now?" As far as I can see, you know that it is so much more sophisticated now, and such a sensible safety and security operation. And of course, somewhere like the Oval has a fantastic—I think they have you know hundreds and hundreds of stewards—and the vast majority of working with and in the crowd is done by stewards. And we only have a very few police. Uh, dealing with kind of security issues, crime issues, if there is any social behaviour, which is unlikely, of course, at cricket, but not impossible if somebody's had a bit too much to drink. Uh, And there'll be just a very few in the ground at any one time, more available if required. And then we'll be doing things, you know, at the in, uh, when people are coming in and, and leaving and making sure that around the ground is, yeah. is safe and secure. It's a You just don't really see it, see it all going all. on. That's, that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. So in those early days then, uh, Cressida, who, who, who were you looking at as your cricketing heroes then? Well, I grew up in Oxford yes. uh, and we used to walk to the Imran University Khan, Parks. Was he, Absolutely. Yeah. We used to walk to the University Parks every day when I was not at school. And uh, I met... Imran Khan when I was I think 11 maybe 12 on the boundary and my friend Ruth met Geoffrey Boycott and uh, but I'll stick with Imran if I may yeah, I think you probably <laughs> replied I think, I think you had the better option alright well there we go and uh, we met several of them of course but these were the ones we both became very fixed on and um, 
I actually wrote a letter to Imran Khan, and you won't believe this because I haven't got the evidence now. Oh. Uh, but he wrote back and said, "You're my first fan." So that's one of my really? claims to fame. Yeah. So, and, uh, how old so then he I got then? very. He was a student, of course, at yes. Oxford. He was 18, I think, or 19. And um, I got very keen on Pakistan. And although we didn't have a telly, when I was not at school, I would go down to uh, any building I could find that had a telly, and I would just watch. And then we started. Ruth and I started coming to, coming to cricket. So, the, you know, I was there. I was here when Zahi Abbas scored 200 and whatever it was. Um, right. In so the so days you, you supported of Pakistan. Majid Khan and yes. you know. Uh, uh, Safraz, I think, may have been playing, and uh, the Mohammeds was in Barry. Yeah. Barry, absolutely. Uh, and I've and I've always, um, you know, I've always had a, a soft spot for Pakistan, absolutely, ever since. Uh, you know, I've got the green shirt and the green cap. And, and it was Imran who did it. Yeah, I'm afraid. I suspect I'm not the only one. Over no, the years. probably not. <laughs> um, what what did you say in the letter? Do you remember? I can't. I mean, it was just you know, I, I wanted his autograph and I wanted to tell him I was a fan. Yeah. And uh, and he just wrote back and said, "You're my first fan." It's so, amazing what's happened to yeah. him now, isn't it? Extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. And uh, you know, I don't want to get involved in Pakistan politics, but no. you know, for uh, anybody here involved in thinking about uh, you know security, I worked in counterterrorism. We work really closely with with all countries all over the world, and we just you know always want. For example, Pakistan to be as safe and secure as it can be, and uh, yes. you know it is. It is a country that's had a lot of, a lot of difficulties over the years, and we've got a big Pakistani population in the yeah. UK. There's a lot of hope in India that Imran's going to be the man that helps solve things between those two countries, mm. though, with, mm. with cricket being a bit of a, 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 well, a that link. Would be, that would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah. So, okay, so Pakistan then. What, what about their cricket? Because they, they oh, yes. I mean, for a Pakistan fan. It's a bit of a roller coaster. It isn't is. It? Oh, yeah. absolutely. They, I mean, you know, at best, it's. I think the word I sometimes hear you use is mercurial. <laughs> was, and I've it, been it, up it, and down and. and it rather nails it, doesn't it? With Pakistan. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to, to be fair, I'm basically a cricket fan, and I will go and watch anybody. And I loved seeing England do well, but you know, in that way that it's nice to have a team that you really support and look out for. Pakistan's my team, and they sometimes have bewildered us. And yes. And looked great, and then collapsed, and or, or, you know, been. It's been very up and down over the years. It really has. I, I was at Lords when they uh, were winning this year. I was at Lords well, two years ago when they won. Yeah. Um, and I, so I've seen them in their highs, but I've also seen them when we've had our head in our hands. Yes. Pakistan fans. Okay. So therefore, uh, how did you feel in 2010 when the spot betting business happened with Mohammed Amir you know, you're, you've put yourself out there as a Pakistan supporter yeah. how, how did that feel? Um, well as a I mean that's where my sort of personal life and professional life came together in a sense because I do like cricket and I had a job to do and I was the assistant commissioner that kind of led that investigation So you, inve you actually investigated that? I did, yeah, yeah I did and I suppose it is one of the things about being a police officer, you know, there's a rather perhaps overused phrase, but it's very important to us, which is that, you know, we, we act without fear or favour. We do the job we have to do. And I've been involved in investigating a number of different uh, issues and people, you know, for criminal offences, uh, where either people I've, you know, known well or, you know, you just have to, I've, I, and I'm sure my officers, a different example, my officers would sometimes be, uh, you know, facilitating protest where you've got arguing parties, different sort of protesters, yes. and the police job is very clear. You know, to keep the peace and to, to you know make sure there isn't disorder, 
and to facilitate lawful protest than they may be as individuals feeling, you know, I, I have much more sympathy as a person with this group than that group. They mustn't show it. You have to get on with it. So back to, yes. you know, the, that, that day. It was extraordinary. sad for you. Well, I'd been at Lords on, on the Thursday and I'd seen the nobles bolt. And I turned to my friend Sue and said, what on earth's going on here? But I hadn't thought any more of it. I didn't know. It was just so extraordinary. They were so balls. obvious, though, weren't they? Well, you're the real expert. They, <laughs> I didn't, maybe they look even more so to people like me now afterwards, but I do remember thinking that's very strange, well, but nothing more Phil, than that. I was on with Phil Tufnell. Yeah. And so, you know, as bowlers, you look at, at how far, particularly Mohammed Amir, actually. But Mohammed yeah. Asif was a bit craftier. And so his was actually much smaller as it were right. and not quite yeah. so obvious. but Muhammad yeah. Amir and Tuffers and I said well how how is that possible to because you know right you, it, it, that, that I mean I, what two feet or so mm. feels like three yards right. when, when you're a professional right. yeah. and you wouldn't let the ball go yeah. because all you're doing is giving a run right. to the opposition wow. so it just mm. didn't make sense no. we weren't we weren't able to really say anything because no. in those days I think would we do it now possibly now but then I think, as commentators and observers, we weren't quite secure enough to go on and say this doesn't, you know, this is mm. Mm. this is dodgy. Sure. But I think possibly yes. difficult. But yes. you, you saw the no balls, and thought, I saw the no balls. Yeah. Didn't think anything more than how extraordinary Pakistan. Yes. <laughs> no, what's going to happen? And then uh, on the Friday night, um, the commissioner called me and said, Crest, I've been contacted by." Uh, a newspaper and they say they're going to run this enormous corruption story and they won't say what section it's in and we agreed that I would go to the newspaper the following morning with a, a hand-picked team of sensible people. I didn't know what it was about at all, I just knew it was to do with corruption and uh, I, w- I went there and with, with my team and they started to show us the material that they had gathered and I realised fairly quickly with my senior investigating officer that we needed to uh, secure the evidence obviously before uh, the newspaper published because clearly you know to do anything other than that would would risk the evidence being lost and massive criticism and failure of an investigation that ought to be taking place so we um amongst other things um at about four or five o'clock i, I drove quietly into into lords with my team up into uh, the pavilion and went to meet um david collier chief executive i think he was vcb yes. who, knew, who didn't know what i was going to say and i just said you know this is the situation and and we need uh, my my team will need to go into the dressing room and do a search of the dressing room which he facilitated uh and what were you looking for fantastic um well evidence that w- that uh we believed we would find uh that would, sh- would w- that would show that uh money had been taken right. uh, and uh, for you know f- for a particular reason obviously anyway fast forward as you know sadly for cricket three uh, cricketers were convicted yes. and um, it was a, uh, uh, a I think a very a very proportionate and sensible investigation uh, very sad for the game um, but needed to be done but you see, that's and, remarkable because we, know, we were commentating at the other end and, and you had no idea that, that you and your team are searching the dressing rooms sure. at the Lord's Pavilion. Sure, it seems sure. incredible. Yeah. Did you find? I mean, we did. We can did, you we say did. now we did find? Yeah. Anything? I mean, if you look at the at the at the uh, at how the the, the um, case developed, we found it, we found relevant material here. Uh, it's not here at Lords. We found relevant material, and again, uh, in the hotel rooms and, and elsewhere, and that, and that was really important. And of course, that could potentially have got lost if we'd waited till the end of play, or yeah. or even to the end of the game, when the whole thing would have been lost. Probably. Did you feel comfortable following a newspaper sting? <laughs> Um, uh, we were very careful about it. We were uh, as soon as you hear from any newspaper has has uh, 
thinks it's got very good evidence and they make no judgment about it one or another or another um, our job is to make sure that that evidence has been properly and lawfully you know ret- uh, retrieved and immediately to work out whether it is likely to be able to be admitted in evidence in a court uh, and uh, uh, you know there are, over the history of so-called stings there have been some which have very clearly not been uh, ethical or indeed lawful and others which uh, you know looking back I guess uh, lots of people would say well, it was a good job somebody did that yeah. did that and nobody else was going to do it so um, it's not the, they're never the easiest investigations my teams always find them difficult investigations to do yeah as a cricket lover, when you'd finished all that, yes. were you yeah. sad or, or did you think, well, you know, that's perhaps you've just actually closed down another way in which people can, can wreck the sport? Um, as, as a professional, I just did what we had to do. My team did what they had to do. We did it well. We, there was a, you know, finally they were found, you know, our job is to, is to put the evidence to the CPS and then uh, if it goes forward to court to make sure it's presented for properly and fairly at court, I think that's what we did uh, and we'd done our job. Um, as a cricket lover, I, I've no idea what the extent was of of, of that sort of behaviour at the time, but I'm sure the fact that we, that, that investigation took place, however sad it would have been for um, you know every, everybody in Pakistan and, and and elsewhere, I'm sure that has helped the cricket authorities you know yeah. tighten up and tighten up and tighten up and you know. The, Sport should be fair, and it, sh- it and, the, and the public shouldn't be cheated. As, as, as you know. Yes. Do, do you, are you happy with what you see these days in, in most sports? Do you think, or do you are you concerned still that the that corruption well, I, has existed? It's very rare for us as the police to get involved in uh, in any um, sports corruption. Extremely rare. Most sports have, um, you know, very good regulation and very good investigative bodies of themselves of their own, and so therefore, um, it's. You know, not it's not a good use of public money for us to start dabbling in anything. So it's only if we were something is presented to us or sent to us that we would, and and there was a particular reason why we felt this is you know a serious crime that we need to deal with that we would be likely to get involved. Which is a long-winded way of saying, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, my I, I, what I do know is that the the bodies that try to you know in whatever it may be, all the different sort of in, international sports, I know they are well resourced. Uh, and well supported a lot of them are full of very good investigators many actually metropolitan police officers actually are involved in in uh, you know trying to help sports stay clean in one way or another and um, it, it's probably a, a never-ending task to be absolutely sure that the risk is, is reduced to zero I don't, what, what do you think is happening in cricket at the moment I, I, don't I think know. it's hard to say I hate I hate to even sure. guess because you just don't know I really believe that match fixing has been Right. Stopped. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard to do, and you, know, you need more than just one or two people to do it. Sure. And I think now, as a as a commentator, I feel much more confident about saying. Uh, so I go back to those no balls. I think. Would I say there's something? It's still difficult, isn't it, to go on the air and accuse somebody of cheating? Um, but I think we are <laughs> sure. more confident. But it, it is, isn't it? No, it even must if be. you think yeah, it is, yeah. even if you yeah, think they be. might be, it's right. difficult. There, yeah. It's easier now. We've got yeah. these numbers. We can ring now the yes. ICC if we're not happy and say, "I think we've seen something that needs to be investigated," and mm. I think that's important. Mm. But I don't quite get the mindset. I mean, you deal with criminal minds every day. I can't get the mindset of people fixing cricket matches and 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 the huge sums of money that are at stake and, and change mm. hands and mm. Mm. i don't know but naive i suppose but the fact that people would actually spend 
tens of thousands or whatever sure. it is on, on a number of runs within a number of overs. I mean, I mean, you obviously deal with people like yeah. that. Yeah, well, we do, you can we do occasionally. And, yeah. and um, I mean, we deal with criminals every day, as you yes. know, lots and lots and lots. And, uh, you know, the, the, the betting markets are huge, of course, uh, all over the world, yes. particularly in, in uh, you know, um, in the East. So, you know, there's a massive, massive betting markets. Would it be better and if it was legalised, do you think? In India, for instance, legalized. If, if betting was legalised, would that in India and, and places? No idea, actually. I do know. Um, I don't know whether it would make it better or worse. Um, but there's some of the some of the you know there's just enormous amounts of money going through legitimate legitimate betting companies as well. I'm yes. happy to criticise them. You know, it's it's easy to bet on lots of different things nowadays. And if, if we go back to when we were we were young. You know, the only thing that anybody ever betted on, and I would have thought in terms of cricket, it would be who's going to win and who's going to lose. That's all that was the end of it. it now. Have gone off and, and it's weird. all in fast time. Yeah. So that makes it quite it's, yeah. uh, quite tricky for, for all sports. But I mean, this is a slightly depressing conversation. I'm say, John, I do well, not believe that sport generally is ridden with corruption. I absolutely don't. I think the vast majority of international yeah. sports people, you know, play at the best of their ability all the time and, you know, love playing. Yeah. And they're not motivated by money. They're motivated, I'm sure that's a side thing for some people, but they're motivated by the game. The Positive, sport. then. Tell yeah. me, tell me how, how proud you feel as a woman about the development of women's sport. I and think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, uh, over the last sort of particularly 20 years, I guess, to see what's happened in soccer, in, in rugby uh, and in, in cricket... Um, I mean, there have always been sports since I was young that, that women have played at a very high level and have had a, a quite a lot of um, sort of focus and attention, you know, I don't know, equestrianism yes. or uh, golf maybe. Athletics. Athletics, definitely. Yeah. I love watching athletics. Mm. But, but it's, it's great to see it in, the, um, in these sort of big participation sports yes. uh, like, uh, like soccer and cricket and rugby as well. What difference does it well. make, actually, to, to, oh, to, to girls in particular? I think, makes, I think it makes a mass. I mean, look, here we are looking out now over the, yes. the many cricketers yes. and uh, there's lots of girls there having a fantastic time. And um, there's, you know, there's still lots of messages in, in society, I think, to girls about um, you know, why they might not want to get involved in sports you know, because you're going to get hugely muscly or it's, yep. it's not very, you know, some people, girls get lots of messages about how attractive they have to be at young ages and being, you know, it's not attractive to be sweaty and all this stuff. But if you can get people involved very young, like these, these girls and boys are, as, as, and as I was into sport, um, you know, the, the, the skills you learn, the friendships you make, the resilience you build, the teamwork, the... And the sheer fun that you can have for the whole of the rest of your life, playing yes. or watching, is, you know, to be treasured. And the idea that, you know, part of the population was, was you know, never used to think that they could and couldn't imagine how they would. And some, many people wouldn't have thought they would enjoy it if they did. And that's all changed. Yes. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's wonderful. And, and what do you think you have done? In, 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 I mean, you're a trailblazer, let's be honest, to be the first woman to hold this post. How, how important has that been in the, in, in the police force and, and indeed elsewhere to, you know, when you appear there on the telly um, to, to, to see a woman talking in those terms? I'm probably not the person to judge, really. I mean, it, it's a, it, I guess it's a moment in time. Um, you know, we are in the Met. We're just 100 years of women in policing, and, and uh, it's quite a long time. Uh, yes. we, we were born in 1829, so it's quite a long time 
with no woman as commissioner, if you like. But then here we are. It is 2018. You know, we've got a woman prime minister. We had until recently successive uh, women home secretaries. There's lots of women in, in lots of positions that are seen as kind of powerful and, and or influential. And I think it is... What I do find is that a lot of people come up to me sometimes in the street and definitely when I'm, you know, in my uniform working on the, on the street or anywhere around a police station, people come up to me and do say, it's great to see a woman in that job. It's not yes. something that I think about very often. I haven't done for years. I just think I'm a person doing a job. But um, it's lovely when it's, you know, young people who say, you know, I never, I never thought somebody could do a job like that. Or I've, I've now started, a girl will say, I've now started to think about being a police officer. So I guess just being there... Yeah. Um, makes people think, uh, well, actually, I could have a go at that. And if it inspires a few young people, that's great. Um, and actually, here we are in London. It's the most diverse city on the planet. And to have uh, a modern feel about the police service, I think, well, you know, people are not uh, all kind of the stereotypical expected mm. police officers. And I think that's, that's good. I think it means that... Uh, the public can see that the Met is, is, a, is a very modern and, and diverse kind of setup and is there for them in a, in a positive way. Talk about London. I mean, I'm only an occasional visitor here. I only pop down sure. for the cricket. How safe is it? How safe is London mm. at the moment? Well, I think London is a very safe city. As you know, if you compare it with many, if not most, of the global cities, you compare it with just well every city in the United States, for example, big city mm. in the United States, it's incredibly safe. Um, and most people will go about their business feeling, you know, totally untroubled by uh, crime or violent crime, uh, you know, throughout their visit, definitely as a tourist or coming to see a sports event uh, or, or, you know, if, uh, if they're resident as well. But we have had some horrible things happen in the last uh, several years, which have been very high profile and have involved in really nasty violence. Uh, and so it's, that's, you know, my biggest operational priority is bearing down on that violence. Gang violence, uh, terrorist violence. I mean, or I mean do, I, do you separate I, them? Or I, I do sort of define it quite broadly. So, of course, we've had terrorism, the terrible attacks last year, uh, and you know the country faces a, a, a significant threat, as you know, and it has done for for a long time. So that's a big part of all our work, all the time. Um, but I do define it broadly. You know, the, the 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 knife and gun crime that has been very high profile, but also domestic violence, sexual assaults, you know, mm. human trafficking. There's a lot. There's a w- wide range of things. I think you know the violent crime and terrorism have been the things that people have been most has most been on people's minds for obvious reasons recently, and violent crime on on the streets. And you know, when I arrived as commissioner, we had moped-enabled crime was incredibly high. Yes. Mostly phone snatches, but very unpleasant, and some of them very violent as well. Glad to say that's down about 50% now. But we've got a lot to do to to make people not just be safe, as safe as is reasonably possible in a huge cities, you know, enormous numbers of people seething about all the time yes. and feel safe. I want people to feel safe. How, how do you cope with that, that pressure of that, though? I mean, you just mentioned you rattled off all sorts of areas of, you know, crime there. That's yeah. kind of, you know, you're sitting on top of the whole yeah. that pyramid, aren't you? How, how, do you? how do you deal with that? I mean, your, your phone, presumably, you've got some sort of buzzer or something about you now yeah. that's going to go off and, and, yeah. and, and off you go. And how, how, does, how does that feel? How do you live with that? Um, well, I've been a police officer not completely continuously, but mostly for nearly 35 years now. Uh, I love it. It makes me, you know, very happy. I enjoy every minute of, of my police work, even when I am dealing with something 
horrible or tough yes. for the individuals affected. You know, the, the do, doing the job as well as I can with a great team, you know, gives me lots of kind of satisfaction. I wish it hadn't happened, but if it has happened, I'd rather be there than not there. So like, you know, the terrorist incidents last year, you, I've, I've, as a leader, police leader, I know from my retired colleagues, you know, everybody wants to help and you'd rather be there. So I, I, I feel um, that I've got a good team. There's, you know, 40,000 people in the Met. I've got some great officers. They're incredibly capable. I do believe we've got probably, you know, the, the best police service in the world. And they're always learning. They're always, uh, you know, getting better, trying new tactics, doing new stuff. People come on visitors from all over the world. And so... I feel um, very confident in them, and that's the most important thing. You know, they're great people. And I feel very confident in a lot of our structures and systems and the way we deal with major incidents and the way we deal with, God forbid, if there is one, a homicide. Um, and therefore, I don't sit at home, uh, you know, listening to Trust Match Special, worrying about what is happening in, 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 in the town. I don't. I don't. I know they will call me if they need me, and that will be rare because they, you know, they're really good people who know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, I do work hard. I am present a lot. Uh, I'm out and about around London all the time, and I do lots of different things to try to understand how the public are feeling and how my staff are feeling. Um, but I've, I've, I'm a relaxed person as well. I feel very calm about it, and I do think it would be very hard to do the job if you were a warrior. Um, uh, you know, I'm not complacent. I, I, I hate the fact that there's violent crime in London. I'm yes. doing my damnedest together with my teams to, to reduce it. Uh, but I, but I enjoy every minute. I enjoy every day, okay. and I enjoy my sort of pastimes like cricket. Yeah. yeah. Just a last thought, and we've got to talk about cricket again in a second. Sure. For, for the are we ever going to win this? Especially the, the question of the sort of the, these terrorist activities at the moment. Can, can you see the day when that, when actually that, that battle is won? Um, I mean, we've, we've. This is this is a city. This is a country that's been dealing with terrorism in, in various forms for for a long time. Certainly throughout, if I can put it this way, yeah. our lifetimes, we've been challenged by terrorism in some forms. Um, and I think the current uh, threats, uh, you know, from so-called international terrorism, but often people who are inspired and just look at something on the internet and go and do something quite quickly. Uh, that's the primary sort of area that, that concerns us because we've got ex some extreme right-wing terrorism as mm. well you know there's lots of different pos possible areas that we have to kind of really be alert to but in terms of the, the, the international terrorism so-called um, I'm sure you know this is something that is going to be with us for a, I'm sorry to say for many years to come you know a, a generation or two I really? suspect yeah and, and I think that would be what most people would predict just looking at, at at uh, the way in which you know Al Qaeda managed to achieve what it did, and then Daesh managed to achieve what it did, and the levels of support there are in various parts of the world, and the, and the ease—sorry, I keep pointing at your computer screen—but the ease with which people can be, well, particularly vulnerable people, can that, be that, seduced into yeah, and that leads me to social sort of media. Activity. I mean, you know, mm. I, for, for, you know, it does a lot of good things. I mean, Absolutely. I know that this last year Absolutely. with my wife, but yeah. but. It, is there a way of controlling it? I mean, do you think it should be more controlled? Should, should there be some... I don't know how you do it quite, but this is clearly where a lot of this stuff is happening, isn't it? On, on, on yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been talking quite a lot about, obviously, terrorist material on the net, uh, child sex exploitation on the net, uh, and indeed some, some aspects of how violent crime is encouraged or uh, happens more quickly because of, of um, social media. And... Um, you know, if I look back, we were the first, the Met was the first place in which we started to sort of work with companies to take material off the net. Right. Uh, and they're doing it all over the world now. And now the companies are doing it themselves it, for us. 
and that's the way it, it probably needs to be. Um, so, you know, over many years, we've taken hundreds of thousands of bits of terrorist material off the net. And now, with the clever alg algorithms and their abilities, they can stop it almost before it appears sometimes, which is great. Um, and it, we, we are working really closely with the companies. They, uh, you know, they certainly uh, are doing incredible things technologically. They're doing amazing things to communicate, you know, for, to join people up. There's lots of benefits, as you say. Um, I think many people would feel that they were probably a little bit slow to think harder about their, what I would call kind of social responsibility. But they do have some significant practical and on occasion really difficult legal issues because of being global and based in, of, often in the States. And they, so we work closely with them and I'm hopeful that in the future they will be doing more and more and more of this crime prevention. You know, I like, just as I want the Oval to be making sure that it is sensibly preventing crime yes. and I want the public to be involved in policing and, and telling the police how to be and, and preventing crime in their own household or their own company I think social media companies are doing a lot more now in the future I'd like to see them doing even more and I'm having you know I personally and that many others I know the Home Secretary you know, having very constructive conversations with them Oh, yes. look at this. We've, ah, yes. You've Here we a are. Cake. I have. You've brought it with, with a... Not oh, made by me, Jonathan. Oh, Chris. Well, I'm, no, I'm disappointed about that. No, I know it doesn't qualify as a cake at all well, since <laughs> I didn't make no, it. No, of course it does, because you've brought... What have we, <laughs> but this, here this we are. Right. Lots of different components so to this. this is called a chocolate brownie cake. Okay. And it's made by Miriam, or Mims, as we know her, who is a PCSO, Police Community Support Officer, in World's End in London. Her son is going to pass out of the training school as a police constable soon. Uh, Mims has made the tees for the Metropolitan Police cricket team for right. at least 12 years, Saturday and Sunday, and she wow. wanted you and I wanted you to have a cake. Wow. I am no, no wicketkeeper, no baker, but I've brought a cake anyway. And you haven't dropped it. <laughs> Which is no, a, yeah. but to be fair, I didn't have to carry it very far. <laughs> but, but this, this, this yes, is that and part then of there's a, a great story here. Right. So this, this is blue a blue. This, this is edible, I think, and I'm hoping that's edible. But be careful. <laughs> and then this is a blue uh, light. As you can see, it's a cover for a light, and it's taken off the top of a panda car. Really? And Who? Mims is Uncle Reg. Stole it from his panda car when he retired from the police. That should, is, of course, a crime. But should I have be told, this? I've told Mims that we don't in the Metropolitan Police intend to go back too far into the past. No, so, um, I think you're I've right. I've just written that one off. So you're not going to confiscate it? No, I'm not. Nor am I going to let you have it. <laughs> so it's <laughs> I think go it's back. an artifact of some importance. Yeah. So that's the yeah. old. That is that, the old panda yeah, that, car. He blue took light. it off the top of his car. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not encouraging my officers to take things home, by the way. But, oh, uh, well done, So She's a fantastic person. And, of course, Met, Met Cricket is not probably quite what it was. You remember we play at Imbercourt? Yes. Which is a lovely ground. Sorry, used to play there um, yes. quite often. And it's a wonderful ground. Great, uh, very wide boundary. I think it's one of the widest boundaries. It's where the public school's final is played too, right. isn't it? I'm searching um, for the name. But I'm afraid because of the sort of pressures that there are on policing. Since about 2011, 2012, the Met cricket team is, is, is not... I was the president. Again, they didn't let me know playing, don't worry. <laughs> but um, it's not quite what it was. No. Oh, well, Chris, it's, I've... I've I've really been fascinated by what you've had to say. Oh, it's today. been lovely to see really you. Have. And and you. You couldn't come in last time because the game was over too quickly. It was, I'm afraid. It was, and uh, I was very disappointed because yeah. I've I've listened 
uh, as I say, since the early 70s, and um, you're, you're sort of part of my family life. Yeah. Uh, what is it about the radio, the, then? Your voices are cricket, part of our families, what's it, what, what, like t- many people. Like cricket on the radio, what, is it, what does oh, it do for you? It's wonderful. Right. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It is like, I mean, it's like if you play, I used to play squash to a reasonable level, and after the match, you knew you were going to meet the other team, sit down and have it, you know, and I'm sure the same is true here. You know how, well, it's a bit more serious here, but yes. you, know, you know you're going to sort of hear from the same people and talk the same slightly... Not that important, some of it. Slightly inane, in a way, some of it. No disrespect. It's going to be just... Inane, just did you say? <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I've, I've invited you, you don't love, well, into my uh, office. And you've, you've described what I say as inane. It's going to be calming and fun and interesting, and we enjoy what goes on between the commentators and the summarisers. And I do think TMS is not only a great institution and I can hear the voices of people who've gone even before you in my ears as I'm speaking but one thing I've loved about TMS always is the way it is very generous I think the commentators have uh, uh, you know they might be critical with a small c mm. uh, but um, you know even even Jeffrey can be quite critical can't he but he's generous he's, I think he's generous, generous. well, well that's my word I've never seen generous <laughs> from Jeffrey Boyd <laughs> Have you met him yet? No, no I'm, I'm trying never to think met him. Oh, no, well, well, I might reserve but, that pleasure for you, and then you, know, you can make up your own mind if he's generous or not. You see, the thing is, it's just sport, isn't it? It is. It, it's incredibly it's, important. It's not life it's, and death. It isn't life and death. No. And people are having fun, and you're obviously having fun. And when you know a great player does badly or a, a debutant makes a frightful fluff of something, you aren't horrible to them. And I think kind. that's important. I really kindly. think that's important. Yeah. I suppose it makes it easier for me to view. I get cross when I watch sports commentators who are always saying they could do it better than the other the people now and they're hopeless and they're making lots of mistakes. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it they're you know, I listen to um, Cookie say, you know, and he's been a fantastic cricketer, hasn't he? And and he's obviously had some tougher times as well. And I just heard him say I may not be the most talented, but I've made everything of what I could do. Well, they're all incredibly talented. Yes. They don't need knocking. No, they don't. Thanks for coming. Thank President. you. It's been, it's been fun. It's been, it's been really good fun. Lovely Thank to you very you. much Thanks indeed. Thanks for the cake. We're you. about to start here. If you're not careful, you're going to be commentating on the game as well. Um, and I'm well. sure it won't be inane. I'm not going to forget <laughs> that. I'm not going to get over that. Honestly, described as inane by the head of the Met. How interesting it was to hear from Dame Cressida, who continues to lead London's police force and, of course, follows her cricket. So I hope you enjoyed that classic view from the boundary. There are lots more interviews available for you to listen to on BBC Sounds. Here's a taste of a chat with the comedian Paul Merton from 2013. So I was listening to the radio that got you into cricket then? Listening yes. To, to, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I sort of... I was listening yesterday to the conversation you were having with Stephen Fry about the contest between bat and ball, and oh, it's yes. very interesting that the, the game is 200 years old or whatever, and still that hasn't changed. Um, I would listen to sort of... You know, when the coverage on the BBC in the very early days in the 60s was basically you put a camera at one end, and yes. if half a fag stand in the middle of it, you ain't going to see the wicket. <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you, know, the, 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 you know, the umpire's called half a fag. I mean, yes. what, you know, how can you not fall in love with a sport that has you know, a big long white coat and, and then you sort of you, you realise actually the commentary on the radio is, is so much better in those days because you couldn't see very much and there wasn't any replays uh, and whereas now you know you're still conjuring up the imagery as you always did then I mean my, one of my favourite shows Hancock's Half Hour doesn't date on the radio because sound recording was perfected you know 80 years ago so yes. it doesn't sound any worse than it does now but you conjure up just the imagery of what's happening out there and I think that's you know with Henry with the buses going down over there and stuff it's 
this is how little I, I, so I know cricket, but there's certain definitions I don't understand. I found this out only the other day, and this is, makes cricket even more endearing to me. I said to somebody the other day, now mid off, I've got that. Now silly mid off, what is that like? Like, and is that an acute angle or something? I said, no, no, it's because it's silly. It's close to the batsman. Yes. I never realised that. Really? <laughs> so it's a sport that incorporates the word silly so into its rules and into its positions. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, you know, that's fantastic. But and I always thought it was something like some acute angle off the hypotenuse or something. No, 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 no. Far, far not too at technical. All. No, not rule at all. Well, you like to have played. I mean, now, now you've, you've got into it and, and, and you listen and you watch and, and, and uh, you come to test matches. I suppose... Do you regret they had another chance to play? Yeah, I do. I've only just started taking up golf. I mean, cricket's a game where you need other people to play with you, don't you? Yes. You know, with football, you can at least kick a ball against the wall with unless you're just bowling at a wicket drawn on a on a brick wall or something there's not much you can do no. um, so I don't, I don't know we just it just wasn't in our sort of family culture to play cricket much um, the schools never did it so it was just something I never worried about it or, or thought about it that much but um, I think also you, the hardness of the ball the first time you face that, when I was probably in my 30s, the first time I actually sort of held a bat, and, you, what yeah. you and this is a slow bowler, and you realise that there's, maybe that's a certain degree of courage is needed to take the game up in the first place, because the ball is hard, and if you're as a seven-year-old, you feel that hard ball, you think, oh, this isn't for me, or you think, oh, I, I can't wait to get some of this, so yeah. maybe it's a bit like the 11 plus, it sorts you out early on. <laughs> so to make sure you don't miss anything from Test Match Special, just subscribe to the podcast via BBC Sounds. The TMS Podcast. Classic view from the boundary. Alan Shearer and Ian Wright are in my kitchen. Mm. What's going on here? The all-new Match of the Day Top 10 Podcast. Answering a huge football question every week. This has not been easy, has it? Like the Top 10 Premier League Strikers. Personally, I think it's really hard to have Shearer anywhere near the Top 10. (laughs) The Match of the Day Top 10 Podcast. Only available on BBC Sounds. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.